Nice, I like that. I like that little jingle right at the start. We have to get in X-Files mood. X, Y, and Z files. <laughs> um, Hello and welcome. Welcome back to Crimes from the East. This is Pia, your host. And with me is a very legal alien back here in the U.S. for a little while. I'm pretty sure that I'm just like falling into the Avatar The Last Airbender uh, closing credits theme song because I've been listening to it for some reason lately. Oh, nice, nice. Well, I've mostly been listening to Dead Mouse, so unfortunately I can't hum any of that. It's going to be like... <laughs> yeah, that's not hummable music. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of bass. Um, well, hello. Yeah, hello, Alex. How's it been? How are things up in the desert or down in the desert? Pretty awesome. I found some baby alien eggs that had hatched mm-hmm. in a ditch and I collected the eggs the the hatchlings and I seeded them into a rainwater catch that we have that's exposed Ooh. to the open air and normally produces a lot of mosquitoes and now hopefully oh, those yeah. little baby aliens are going to eat all of the mosquito larvae and I will not get nice. bitten more nice and by aliens do, do you mean tadpoles uh, yes absolutely Totally earthbound creatures. Well, how exciting would it have been if they were actually aliens, right? I can imagine finding aliens where I live out here in the desert. If it has to happen anywhere in the U.S., it's going to be where you are. Can I share like a not so PG rated story? Sure, go ahead. I'll just delete it. It's like vaguely alien related. Oh, okay. Vaguely. Let's listen. So Let's hear it. very, very vaguely. But basically the first or second time I ever smoked pot, mm-hmm. it was out here in the desert and I went for a bit of a desert walk. Ooh. A walkabout? Yeah, a walkabout. I just remember all of the cacti and plants and the entire terrain out here in southern Arizona. It's so alien that Mm -hmm. I actually felt like I was on an alien planet and it was amazing. On Mars. You were like, this is Mars. Two million years ago. And the way the sun beats down on you here and the light and everything, it was so otherworldly. So I don't even need to go to space. Like, I've been there, bitches. (laughs) Get at me, Jeff Bezos. Bezos, get at me. Yeah, that idiot spent I don't know how many million dollars to fly up to space. Or wait, he's going to fly yeah. up to space, right? He hasn't done it yet. I don't even know. I don't even care. Damn it. Just, just buy a ticket to Arizona, Jeff. You dumb dumb. Go to Arizona. Go to Sedona, you dumb butt. Please, please don't um, ban us from Amazon, okay? We love getting our two-day shipping. You can ban me. I don't need your shit. Just kidding. That's because they don't even deliver in Paris, do they? Do they? <laughs> they do, actually. They oh, go to okay. great lengths to deliver to us. But also, like, send me a Tesla and we'll be cool. Oh, we should be talking That's to all. Elon. He's more, he's more our kind of guy, I think. I mean, I think he's a believer, a believer. Elon or Jeff Bezos, in my head, they're all the same person. They're just like... Too rich. Unhuman creatures. They're just too rich. Yep, too rich. Once you pass a certain uh, dollar amount, I think you just go in the brain. You just lose it. Too rich for this bitch. Get us that some of that middle class brain. That's what we want. That's what we want on the show. Yeah, can we just like come back down to earth for a little bit and just talk about some aliens? What were we talking about earlier, just before we hit record? We were talking about what we were watching this week. And I wanted to tell you that I watched a bunch of alien and UFO related documentaries on Amazon. Again, a Bezos enterprise, but they were so interesting. I love watching these because even if like 80% of it is nonsense or just, you know, sensationalism or whatever, there's at least a modicum of truth in there. And yeah. there's some section of it that's just unexplained phenomena. There's a one, at least one little but real question mark mm-hmm. that makes it all interesting for sure. I watched this amazing one just yesterday about how aliens have been completely obsessed with this volcano right next to Mexico City. I think it's Popo Kettle or something. They just call it Popo, Volcano Popo. 
<laughs> and for years, like decades almost, scientists have been recording UFOs going in and out of the in the volcano, especially when it's really active and about to blow. UFOs just okay. love it down there. I think they have some kind of party when it's about to blow. This volcano is lit. That's where they keep all the gold. Have you heard this conspiracy about the gold? Maybe that's where they keep all their gold. Won't it just be molten? Yeah. Who cares about gold? Why would aliens? Okay, never mind. I'm not even going to give this conspiracy the light of day, but apparently aliens want us for our gold or they're, we are um, here to my blah, 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 gold. I, I've read that. I've read that conspiracy. It kind of makes a little bit of sense because gold is a very precious metal when it comes to building circuits, especially in space, because it's inert, it's light, it can be hammered into like a thin foil and still be effective. Um, it does conduct electricity and stuff pretty strong. And I think they were going to use it to make light sails for really delicate space vehicles that are just going to sail their way past the sun. Okay. Because that craft is going to be so light, sail made out of gold is going to use the sun's rays to reflect and bounce the craft away from the sun. So it, there is a lot of scientific properties in gold that make it valuable. I should have known. No, the person who told me this conspiracy is definitely an electrician and like I should have believed them, but I just didn't want to because it seems so dumb. I think in your head you were imagining the aliens just wanting the gold to make pretty earrings. But that's not it. It's shiny, just like me. <laughs> so shiny. They're not Cusco. What was his name from uh, Super The fun. Emperor's New Groove, Emperor Cusco. Yeah. I don't know what his first name was, but he was transformed into a llama, uh -huh. which automatically made that my favorite, yeah. favorite movie the aliens are not Cusco. they don't just want all the jewelry to look shiny, shiny, shiny. they want it for science they're nerds so yeah that was that conspiracy and if they're looking for gold in the volcanoes seems like a bad place it's gonna be molten it's gonna be like a river of gold and maybe they're just dipping their spoons and filling up little thermoses like ooh, i got a whole thermos full of gold let's go just a spoonful of gold will make the Spaceship, fly high. The spaceship, <laughs> fly high. Cool. I want to see that Disney movie. You know what came to mind? Roger from American Dad. He would totally <laughs> do that number. <laughs> I was trying to do uh, that movie with all of the Aryans. And they sing. And there's the nanny. Oh, oh, oh. Sound of music. Sound of music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today, we are doing an episode on UFOs. UFO. 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 We're going to do UFOs in Daisy lands, okay? Enough of America yeah. taking like complete control of the narrative. Enough. We've had enough. We want to hear something about UFOs in other countries. Come on. We've got so many weird places in India and around India that aliens would love to visit. Yeah, definitely. As an illegal alien of the world, I want to visit India. So I can only imagine. Today, what we're going to do in this episode is we'll go over some of the cases. I mean, this is not the end of it now that I'm really into this. We're going to cover other parts of UFO-related phenomena, maybe in another episode. We'll kind of dissect our mythology and our legends and urban legends and see if they kind of relate to something otherworldly or extraterrestrial. But for today, we're going to keep it grounded. We're going to keep it simple to UFO and UAP sightings. What are UAPs? Oh, I'll, I'll tell you in a hot minute. It's not like this is something I've just gotten into a month ago. Nope. I've been totally interested in UFOs and the idea of extraterrestrials visiting Earth for maybe my whole life. I don't know. Again, the interest came from my mom. <laughs> Psst, you might be one. Totally. I'd accept that reality in a heartbeat. <laughs> I've always followed it in pop culture for sure. Like all the movies that have ever been made about aliens, I've seen them and I own them. Aliens, Predators, Aliens versus Predators, you know, whatever movies are made in that genre. And so with the Pentagon releasing 
apparently some kind of a disclosure document in the end of June, it brought this topic to the mainstream because usually this is something only the kooky people would talk about. And if a sane person who was otherwise normal in all other regards even brought up this topic, people would start side-eyeing you. But now the Pentagon came out and they accepted there are things that they can't explain. They didn't accept their aliens, but they said they can't explain it, which is good enough for me. They're never going to tell us in black and white anyway. So this is as good as it's going to get for us. Yeah, you can live with it. As far as the official narrative goes. Mm -hmm. UAPs, which stands for Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. So scientific. Which is a new word um, that the military intelligence uses now. They wanted to... Rebrand. They wanted to separate themselves from the UFO community. So they made a new word for it. They just rebranded. And they now call it UAP. So with the hubbub of (sighs) the UAP in the mainstream media for the past couple of weeks, I thought we could explore reports of sightings in the East. The narrative about strange phenomenon in the mainstream media is always shaped by the American perspective. So I thought, let's get Daisy with it. Right? Let's get Daisy with it. It may not look that way today, but our Desi land has been the center of advanced civilizations for thousands of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you walk into some really shitty lane in, I don't know, Delhi, Kolkata, Mumbai, Chennai, you'll be like, this, this is an advanced like No, but we used to be. We were once really cool. It all went downhill from there. Yeah, thanks plastic. Probably thanks aliens for their plastic technology. Ruined everything. Three times a charm, but thank you, colonial white devils. (laughs) They kind of whitewashed all our culture and we forgot our own where we came from. So yeah, to that. But we really had some amazing ancestors, y'all. Like, trust me about that. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me that our exoplanetary visitors weren't curious about what we were up to? No way. We got all that lovely spicy, spicy food, all that black Mm -hmm. pepper and turmeric and mango lussi and Mm -hmm. gulab jamun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Any damn alien with a pulse would be drawn to our mouth-watering feast for sure. Right? What do you think, Alex? I would. I'm an alien, and I like it. (laughs) Yeah. It's the only reason why I go to India. So not just the cuisine, I'm kidding, but the architecture of our temples, our astronomy-related observatories, our well-planned cities with paved roads and drainage, housing and industry would have been a sight to marvel at three, four thousand years ago when definitely parts of humanity was just surviving in caves and huts. There, There was a civilization in the Indian subcontinent, that was thriving and was pretty advanced by that standard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All over the world, ETs or extraterrestrials or aliens have been reported visiting Earth in their spacecrafts at all times of day, at all kinds of places. They seem to be curious about our lives and what we're doing to our home planet. Oh, don't even mm-hmm. get me started. But what we don't know is if they simply research and observe from a distance or do they make moves to change the course a little bit? Now that is a mystery. They're definitely just rubberneckers. Oh, look at that car crash. Look at that planetary disaster. Wow, that's a bad one. The cops are going to have to come and clean that up. It's 2021 and these dumbasses are still honor killing people. Look at these dumb fools. Before I tell you about like specific cases, you want to maybe talk about why there aren't that many reported cases of UFO or alien sightings in India. Do you have any idea of why that might be? I'm guessing it has something to do with there being less of a like media culture around that sort of thing. Not just in the modern era, but let's say 100 years ago or 200 years ago or even 500 years ago. Maybe they just assumed that UFO sightings were like God sightings. Bingo. I think that's what it is. So there's a lot of superstition in India. 
<laughs> there are legends of like Chudel and Booth, which means demons and spirits. Mm-hmm. Maybe if someone did see an alien, the first instinct would be to call it a ghost. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. So I remember my mom always saying the, oh, the flying chariots, even in Greek mythology or whatever, but also in Indian. Well, my mom is like your mom, definitely a UFO believer. Mm-hmm. For her, all of these like religious events are actually just evidence of UFO contact of some kind with Earth. Yep. That's what I think my mom also used to talk about a while back. I remember in like, 2010 or 2009 or something. I was in the U.S. at that time and I had a neighbor who was also Indian. And she mm-hmm. she was a practicing Hindu. Mm-hmm. We used to talk about a lot of stuff. And I usually don't talk about this with anyone in real life because I see people's um, eyes glazed over and rolling to the back of their heads. And I'm like, oh, okay, oh, yeah. okay, no, no. <laughs> Rain it in. Yeah, I don't know what happened that day. And I just started talking to her and I was like, what if all our gods, like our Hindu gods, look at them. They look so different. They look otherworldly. What if they're all aliens? And she was like, mm-hmm, 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 yeah, yeah, go on. Oh, yeah, totally. Yep. That seems way more plausible than just like, you know, magical beings with magical powers. Definitely. She was very sweet. She she heard my spiel and um, she didn't blow up or anything. And that's really yeah. all... You can ask as a UFO, yes. ufologist. That's all you need. You just need a year to like dump all your information into. Um, <laughs> really? Because it feels like everyone's got to know this. Come on. How do you not talk about this all the time? This is all I want to ever talk about. I think because of our rich mythology that already exists, like gods with, uh, we have Garuda, we have, um, what was his name? That god who was in the form of a bear. What was his name? Garuda was, um, I think, a vulture phoenix type yep. god. That I remember. Uh, Jambavana. Jambavan, yep. Jambavan. Yeah, there's a character called Jambavan in the Ramayana. There's Jatayu. These are all like, they're half human, half animal. So, Nila, Vali, Angada. These are all very strange characters in our mythology. And we don't question it. We're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. We had talking monkeys in Ramayana. It's totally normal. Let's not even question it. So that's probably what happened when people saw a UFO or an alien. They're like, that's God coming down from the heavens in their vimanas. Mm -hmm. And that's why it never really got documented seriously, which is pretty sad. Now, let's get on with it. And let me tell you about some of the cases reported in India. Let's start really at the top, prehistoric era. Okay. There are some very curious cave dwellings in Charama, located in the state of Chhattisgarh in central India. Now, let me send you some pictures, Alex, so you can get a feel of what I'm talking about. Hmm. So Chhattisgarh is one of the states with the highest population of indigenous tribals in central India. Deep in the jungles of Chhattisgarh, cave dwelling of prehistoric men were discovered a few years ago. In those caves were crudely drawn paintings in natural colors, which were made from, I think, some sort of red clay and pigment you get out of fruits and vegetables. And these paintings depict some strange humanoids from the pictures that I sent you. Yeah. The first one is just a regular cave painting from one of the biggest prehistoric uh, sites in central India. It's called Bimbetka. Okay, but in the top right-hand corner, there's something, there's like a crab creature. In that regular one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I see it now. And there's definitely some swirly sort of galaxy thing happening. There's stuff going on here, but it's probably nothing. It might be (laughs) something else that it might actually be a crab because they saw a crab. Okay. Like crab is not unusual. They would have seen crab and probably drawn it. So that makes sense. It might actually be a crab. True. But then the next photo. Uh-huh. How does that look? What do you think that is? There's definitely a spaceman wearing some sort of freaky helmet. That is like the shape of a classic gray, like the one at the bottom. Yeah, the thing at the bottom. But the thing at the top is kind of like, why does it have spikes coming out of its head and it's carrying a saber of some sort the whole thing is weird 
definitely eerie. And that does not look like regular human shape. As you can see, they knew how to draw themselves, which was stick figures. Yeah. And then true. look at the true, next true, true. picture. You see those little... This one. Humanoid shape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In Charama, the figures on the wall look very distinct, like you saw. The humanoid figures appear puffy as if they're wearing spacesuits of some kind. And in that second picture, they are short-statured because they seem to be life-size. They aren't tiny figurines that they've drawn on the wall. Like the second picture, mm -hmm. they seem to be life-size, but they're only about three feet tall. Yeah. And they don't have any nose or mouths. Some of them, I think, just have eyes. The other picture has something that I thought looked exactly like a gray alien. And they have pointy fingers and toes. So I keep saying grays for people who don't really keep track of <laughs> the alien space. Keep track. Or d dive deep into it. The grays are just the aliens you've seen in mainstream media so far. If you've seen any alien in a movie, that's what a gray is. You know, the pointy face with a tiny chin and big black slanty cat eyes. Those kind of aliens are called grays. Okay. The piece de resistance, of course, is the painting on suit covering the rocky ceiling of a saucer-shaped craft with three legs and what appears like light and control panels. Do you see that one? Mm-hmm. That one's crazy. That's definitely a War of the Worlds situation. What is this? Man. Prehistoric man was pretty simple. There wasn't much in terms of creativity and imagination at that time, owing to the short lifespans and the kind of hurdles that they had to jump through simply surviving another day. They drew and painted what they saw. So what could they have seen that compelled what they them see? to make this? Because... Yeah. If you try to think of something in nature, I I can't think of anything that looks like this that has three legs coming out of it in some guy in Maybe the middle. Maybe it was some kind of deformed bird. No. <laughs> no. Maybe it was just like a like the one creative caveman. This looks very much like a UFO to me. Maybe they had some furniture that was very perishable somehow. Maybe it had a really good furniture guy. And he came up with this. Exactly. This is actually a design portfolio. You can like find this artist on Instagram at, at cave tripod man. Cave stool boy. He makes all kinds of funky stools. <laughs> who is that one listener we had who gave us the amazing review who we love? Oh, Daisy, Daisy boy. boy. Daisy boy. Yeah, maybe maybe this is a furniture boy. Okay, wait. No, wait. I know you're trying to find meaning in that picture, but let me add a little bit more information, okay? And then I'll ask you that question again. Mm -hmm. So local tribes here have old urban legends about the Rohela people, meaning the short ones, who would fly down from the sky and take away people never to be seen again. Ooh. Now what do you think? Hmm. I have a feeling it's the Sentinelese. It's definitely not Furniture Boy. It's the short naked people. The short naked. The Nakavarams. The State Archaeological Department wants to seek the help of ISRO and NASA to help decipher these paintings. Did you say Israel? ISRO. That's the Indian Space Research Organization. ISRO. ISRO, yeah. I doubt NASA will care, though. They need to get in touch with the Pentagon, maybe. Or Ufan. Yeah, get some good ufologist out there. Get Jacques Villet or Giorgio A. Sucalos from Ancient Aliens. And maybe George Nuri mm -hmm. from Coast to Coast. They, they might help. Those are the people you need to get. Mm -hmm. Not NASA. NASA doesn't give shit about this. Now, my mom does a lot of research on these things, you know. And she found a YouTube channel by a guy called Praveen Mohan. Um, he has a bunch of videos exploring and making sense of ancient Hindu artifacts, masonry techniques, temples, and scientific methods that were followed or invented by ancient Hindu civilizations and stuff. He is also a UFO enthusiast, and he looks into UFO reports in India. And he's probably the only one there actively compiling and 
showing Indian UFO sightings on his channel. Okay. So I was very happy to find that. Yeah. One of his videos is about cave paintings in Onake Kindi in the state of Karnataka. Mm-hmm. This site was explored by a bunch of travel bloggers back in 2011-2012. And the caves that they found in a rocky enclave right next to a field has some very strange paintings on them again. Oh, yeah. And on these cave walls, you can see the usual humans, bulls, the sun, the moon, etc. But then, again, on the ceiling, you see a round spherical-shaped image with a humanoid inside it. And it seems to be encircled in what looks like lights. And there is a ladder on it as well. Yeah, I can see the ladder. And you see the lights around it, around the mm-hmm. sphere? Totally. And the lights wow. totally on the outside, like on the perimeter of this circle, the sphere? Yeah. Some local professors who study in this field um, are of the opinion that this spherical pictograph depicts a burial rite for this group of people. Now, I don't know why they would show only one then. If it's a burial, right? Wouldn't it be all over the place? Or at least in some more caves? Well, I mean, maybe it's instructions. Maybe it's a manual. Like, first you dig one hole, and then you dig a bunch of other holes, and then you put the ladder in the middle, and then you, I don't know. (laughs) Put rocks all around it that look like lights. Yeah, honestly, I'm not buying that explanation, but I'm just trying to make it work. To me, it kind of looks like the bottom of a mollusk, though. Mm, I see what you're saying, but it doesn't really match. There's too much detail for the bottom of a mollusk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Too much detail. Cowrie shell or something like that. It would just be simple. This is way too detailed. Since it is so uncommon, it is open to interpretation, in my opinion. Like, you can't say this is a burial right case closed. Mm-hmm. Because it's so rare and it's only found in like a couple of caves. Because it's not like there aren't cave paintings in India. There's tons. There's tons of them. But you find Mm -hmm. these depictions only in some of them. Because UFOs maybe only appeared to these people. Or maybe they only, oh, these were the only guys who saw it. And they drew it. So I say that's a UFO. Mm. That's my opinion. What about you, Alex? Where are you at? Well, I'm not ruling out mollusks. Because mollusks are pretty freaking weird looking. But that said, I have never seen anything remotely close to an animal of any kind that has a ladder-shaped appendage. And circular light-like things all around it. And you know what this uh, image reminds me of a little bit? I never really got into this game, but I know that it was a big COVID thing. Among Us. Mm. It looks like the map to Among Us. My sister was playing Among Us. For a hot minute. Yeah, like for me to play, it was like be on your phone even more than you already are. And I was like, no, thank you. I did learn nice terms from it, though, which is sus. And I use that all the time. Sus. Never played the game in my Mm -hmm. life. But sus for suspect. You just say that's pretty sus. And then you're cool. (laughs) And then you're cool. Yeah, that was a cool how to be cool tip from, uh, (laughs) from us. Okay. So now that we explored a little prehistoric UFO stuff, let's zoom a few thousand years into the future, into the 1950s. This is when the golden age of UAP started, essentially. Many believe that the devastation caused by the nuclear bomb in Hiroshima and Nagasaki is what caught the attention of beings in the universe. Now, We are nothing but a slightly smart ape, but after 1945, we became somewhat smart apes with extinction-level weapons. Mm -hmm. ETs were perhaps alarmed at our cruelty and naivety about how fragile we are as a species, and they probably started to patrol and observe us a whole lot more, especially around nuclear sites. And so if you look into historical records, In the year 1954 and 1957, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of reports of strange flying spacecrafts in the air all over the world. It just became insane. People were seeing things all of a sudden and reporting it. And of course, Roswell did kick off that hysteria. 
but mm-hmm. not without reason. So I believe that maybe the nuclear bombs did invite all the attention from other creatures mm-hmm. in the world. So here's an incident from the Delhi Flying Club in the year 1951. NICAP is an American UFO research group formed by civilians. So this is not a military group. And this story was taken from the NICAP website, which is still online. And that's great. So I got their archived records from 1951. March 15, 1951, New Delhi, India. At 10.20 a.m., George F. Float, a chief aerial engineer, along with his two assistants, observed a swirly white cloud that appeared in the sky. This object was about 700 feet in length approximately 4,000 feet high near the Delhi Flying Club hangar. That's a huge object. 700 feet? That's insane. That's like, I don't know, twice the size of a plane, like a big plane, like an A320. That's like four football fields as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what a football field is. Oh, my God. There's an alien outside. Ah, Run or maybe run to them. This 700-foot cloud just kept increasing in length. And at the end of it, a bullet-shaped object appeared, approximately 100 feet long. Okay, so the object wasn't that big. The object was only 100 feet long, but the cloud was 700 feet long. So maybe that was like a camouflage. And it was hiding behind that huge cloud. So a 100-foot long silver bullet-shaped object appeared out of that cloud. The aerial engineer approximated that it was as big around as a Douglas C-47 fuselage. So you can just Google that. It's one of those old-timey military planes. Okay. And since this guy is an aerial engineer, like he would know about what kind of aircrafts and stuff were in the air at that time. Mm -hmm. So I would say he's a pretty credible witness source yeah Yeah. so him and his assistants kind of they must have lost their minds and they shouted out so another 20 people rushed out of the hangar at the delhi flying club and they saw this metallic cigar-shaped object the object headed south for about three minutes then it made a loop coming back over the field so maybe it was observing them observing it and when it finished the loop it kind of dove down a little bit and then leveled itself and it proceeded southwest until it was out of sight. So clearly that object came back to take a second look at this group of people who were gawking at it. And that seems to be the case in a lot of UFO sightings that when it realizes that you're looking at it, it circles back or it comes towards you a little bit and then flies away. Is this a like second kind of encounter? Um, no, I think this is the close encounter of the first kind where you see a UFO. I think the second kind is when you see the alien. But it sounds like it was sort of like, you know, it was playing with them. And you hear about that a lot where the like UFOs actually sort of like mess with you. They know that you are observing this, your mind is blown. So they kind of like zoom and zigzag back and forth or they do erratic things to like mess with you i don't know if they do it to mess with you but they probably want to be known like they want to be seen so okay here comes the kooky part people believe some people believe that these beings are capable of telepathically reading our minds and conveying their thoughts to us and so when they detect some kind of interest in them telepathically. They're able to sense it. They can sense that someone is looking at us from this spot. Mm -hmm. If you want to look at them, they will come back. They will respond because they do want to, they do want to be seen and make contact for whatever reason. Maybe, I don't know. Not all of them do, but some of them do. But why? Some of them do. I don't know. Maybe they figure, hey, they're just checking. Are you the kind of human we can talk to and connect with? Can this ape recognize recognition this is just like you know those experiments where we give monkeys tools and see how they do yeah yeah it's definitely a situation like that isn't it so this uh delhi club sighting yeah 
the speed of the object was estimated to be three times greater than the cruising speed of a British vampire jet, which was probably popular at that time. And whatever, that guy used the speed of that British vampire jet to gauge the speed of this bullet-shaped object. Okay. Was that the fastest thing? And so I calculated, and it's approximately 1,200 miles per hour. Ooh, okay, okay. That's pretty fast. Pretty fast for 1951. Yeah. But is it pretty fast for now? Because that's what matters. I think the really high-speed defense planes we have go at least 2,000 miles per hour, I think. I don't know. Thanks to the alien technology. So who even knows? How how can we even gauge? Okay, gotcha. So the Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird is the fastest jet aircraft in the world today. And Mm. it reaches speeds of Mach 3.3. Okay. 2,100 miles per hour. So that was almost right, kind of. For 1950, I think that was really fast, especially for a bullet-shaped object, not a plane. That's no? definitely cause for concern. The total time that this object was observed was approximately seven minutes. So it just came across the horizon, made a loop, and then flew away. Now, after the Roswell incident, there was a military committee put together to, to address UFO sightings all over the world. And of course, this whole thing was a big farce, and they didn't really validate anything or take anything seriously publicly that group was called okay project blue book what the hell is a blue book i've heard that you can like get a read on your car or something but i don't understand that's kelly blue book and this is the same thing but for ufos you get your ufos evaluated yeah and so the military would look into it Just tell you, oh, no, no, no. That UFO you saw, that was just a bird. It was just, it was a weather balloon. It was nothing. It was a cloud. Your eyes were blurred. Nonsense. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No. I mean, yes. Yes, it is. It is not (laughs) Superman. It is a bird. So they, of course, kept secret records of all of their internal studies and conclusions on the matter. And I think these got declassified partially a few years ago. Okay. And you can see that they were trying their best to discredit the witnesses and make light of their sightings because they didn't want to admit to the world that there could be extraterrestrial visitations or craft on Earth. Yeah. And so this incident was reported to Project Blue Book in America. And they evaluated this sighting as unidentified, which is pretty big. They didn't say that this was a bird or a cloud or whatever. Yeah. If they Mm -hmm. weren't able to make an excuse for it, it's pretty valid. And since all the witnesses were involved in aviation in many ways, it adds a lot more credence to this sighting than other sightings where it's just regular people. These guys would know the capability of man-made aircrafts of that time. Right. All right, Alex. Let's zoom into Bihar in 1954. Bihar is a state, again, in central India. And Mm -hmm. in the fall of 1954, around 800 villagers in Bihar saw something undeniably what we can call a UFO in the sky. Now, this is a mass sighting like there ever will be. Yeah. In my opinion, 800 villagers. The residents of three villages in the Manboom district saw a gray disc-shaped craft descend over a mine. One of the managers of that mica mine, Mr. Chatterjee, also claimed to have seen the saucer. He said that the UFO was approximately 12 feet in diameter and it had descended emitting a whirring sound like that of a car motor. It hovered for a few minutes over the mine And then some sort of smoke or vapor billowed out from under it as it shot up straight into the sky at incredible speed, which left the doors and windows of the buildings rattling like it would after an earthquake. Again, this is 1954. There were no crafts at that time. 
that could do this kind of vertical takeoff maneuver. Yeah. Okay. Even helicopters were not this suave or smooth. That would be so cool to see. Even now I want to see that. Like, to be honest, as human beings in today's day and age, we haven't seen that kind of technology in real life for the most part. Some people maybe. I don't even know who those people are. Jeff Musk, Elon Bezos, (laughs) probably. Now, sadly, because these 800 villagers weren't Bezos or Musk, they're poor villagers. Their word didn't mean much. I didn't know about this case until I really dug deep into it. If you think about it, this is a huge sighting. We only know of Roswell. And now there were probably, I don't know, two, three dozen witnesses to that incident. But it's so popular. It's so famous. No one knows about this case. 800 people saw it. (sighs) But it's India. So, you know, they're probably just, yeah, probably fools. They don't know what they're seeing. That's so sad. Probably just a cow. Yeah, that is, mm, I don't like that. So here's the interesting part. This mica mine also supplied a mineral called beryllium to the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission. Oh, beryllium. Sounds very sci-fi. Okay. The U.S. Atomic Energy Commission was an agency of the United States government established after World War II to foster and control peacetime development of atomic and nuclear science and technology. Oh, shit. So the aliens were keeping track. Yeah. Who has the resources for it? Where are all the resources located? I bet that's what they were doing, like some kind of recce mission. (gasps) Totally. (laughs) Coincidence or causation for this visit? I don't know. I don't know. I believe the nuclear connection. Okay. And not just because of this case, but there are several reports of strange UFOs and other phenomenon reported around nuclear missile silos in the U.S. Mm -hmm. One of the most famous ones is an incident called the Rendlesham Forest incident. Yep. Yep. Anyone who's even remotely interested already knows about it, but... To others, I would say, Google that today. Google that right now. Right now. It's called the Rendlesham Forest Incident. That was a nuclear facility where some officers saw and touched a UFO that had been circling around the nuclear missiles. Now we go to Assam in 1954. This is a news article from the Hindustan Times from November of 1954. An object looking like a flying saucer was seen here yesterday at about 6 p.m. Hundreds of people gathered at the top of Nandan Hills to have a clear view of the object, which was of oblong shape and had a bright red light at the back. Another cigar. Oblong. Does oblong mean cigar? Yeah, it means like capsule. I think oblong is a pretty cigar shape. Yeah, I think oblong means like capsule shaped. Yeah. So this oblong saucer came from the west and vanished into the eastern sky. A similar report has been received from Guwahati, which it is a major city in Assam, where the mm-hmm. saucer was seen at around 7 p.m. If you've been reading the news lately, the U.S. Navy, they released some videos of UAPs recorded by naval pilots, and one of them was called a Tic Tac UAP. Yep. It's in the shape of a Tic Tac which is an oblong saucer. It's also a tiny cigar shape. Yeah. So that's not a coincidence. People were seeing this Tic Tac UFO back in 1954 in Assam. And again, it looks like hundreds of people were looking at it from the top of a hill. And it seems to have been forgotten in time. Third case, the flying mystery over Calcutta. Now Kolkata, but back then Calcutta. And this is the account of an officer who worked at the Dum Dum Airport. Dum Dum Airport! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Your favorite. Calcutta, November 12th, 1954. A bright luminous object with a long tail reported to have been seen in the sky over Calcutta. October 31st, from the control tower of the Dum Dum Airport. With a long tail? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Airport authorities have a report from one of their technical officers, so an ATC officer, about his observation of this mysterious object. It is learned that the officer, while on duty at the tower at about 6 p.m., suddenly found a flash in the sky, which was moving at a speed of about 500 miles per hour at an altitude of 2,000 feet. Now, that's not very high. That's very, very low. Mm-hmm. I don't know if regular aircrafts can even maintain any sort of lift to keep them in the air at 500 miles per hour this, like that. Yeah, Like a regular aircraft would probably crash, except maybe a helicopter, but then they can't go that fast. It was stated that the bright white object had a long luminous tail of diffused white light. The light appeared about three or four times brighter than any aircraft tail light. And the object disappeared from his view within a minute. It did not alter its height, direction, or flight of speed. It was steady in its movement and disappeared from sight. A bright flashing object with a tail. Meteors, right? Meteors, meteorites, any kind of yeah. celestial, celestial star junk. Or something. But a shooting star would have a very predictable trajectory. It would go down once it's in the Earth's yeah. atmosphere. Gravity's gonna make a quick meal out of it in no time. This thing was keeping steady at 2,000 feet and going straight in whatever direction it was. That is not any kind of celestial body. This is something under intelligent control. Yeah, yeah. All right, you ready for a case from Nepal? We're going a little international since it is, you know, we are crimes from the East and we, we don't want to f- ignore our other Desi neighbors. So I thought I'll include a couple of cases from countries around India. So Nepal, 25th March, 1968. At around 8.15 p.m., the residents of Batulechor, I think that's how you say it, in the Pokhara region of Nepal, witnessed a blazing object flashing intermittently, accompanied by a loud, thunderous sound. And it seemed to have disintegrated over the Kaski region, not too far from the Himalayan foothills. A huge metallic disc-shaped object, which was six foot at its base, but four feet tall in total, was found in a crater in Batulchor. Or is it Baltichor? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out, perhaps. Baltichor. We'll find out, yeah. If there are any Nepali listeners, <laughs> let me know. A portion of a similar object was found at Talkot and Turepasal, which is around 600 miles away. So something blew up, and then parts of it fell here and 600 miles away. This is recorded in CIA investigation archives, which were declassified recently. In the book Moon Dust by Kevin D. Randall, who is quite a famous ufologist, famous for his research on the Roswell incident, Kevin mm-hmm. writes, The American embassy in Kathmandu, in a secret message dated July 23rd, alerted the United States Air Force Field Activities Group in Nepal that they expected full cooperation with the government of Nepal over the recovery of this object. The subject of the message was moon dust. Now, this was just some junk. Sounds sparkly. (laughs) From space. Why would the Americans have been so strong-handed about collecting it? Way fancier than earth dust. Wouldn't they just let the Nepalese internal agencies deal with it themselves yeah why did the americans have to go in and get it that raises Mm -hmm. some questions it raises my eyebrows a little bit some speculate that these crashed objects were part of the soviet space shuttles that were being launched around that time sure anything's possible since the u.s has possession of these objects they can clear this up easily They can tell us now. It's been a while. It's been, what, more than 50 years. You can tell us now if it was part of the Soviet space shuttles. If only. Mm -hmm. It was probably just a big mistake, though, right? (laughs) What do you mean? Like some U.S. top secret military secret gone 
terribly wrong. Why would they be flying over the Himalayan regions? That's a very dangerous part of the world. It would be very dangerous to be flying around in that area. The kind of weather systems they have there at that altitude, it's not easy to just fly around over there. Like, you don't want to do test flights out there. You'd be flying over Arizona, Nevada, Utah. That's where you do all these test Mm -hmm. flights, not Mm -hmm. over the Himalayas. Maybe they did, and this was their lesson. Who knows? Anything is possible. But they would have told us by now if that was the case, because it's an easy excuse. Yeah, you'd think. Yeah. So if anyone lives in Nepal, do you have family that lived in the Pokhara region? Can you ask them if they ever heard about this case or if they heard that thunderous sound when this object crashed into the mountains? Write to us and tell us. I'm very curious. Yeah, we need answers, please. Now here's a case from Pakistan. On January 23rd of 2021. So this is really recent. Okay, all of these other cases were... Yeah. 50s and 60s. That was like yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, this was literally months ago. The pilots of the Pakistan International Airlines, or PIA for short. (sighs) Woohoo! Hey. Yeah, it's my own airlines. Um, They reported a sighting of a huge silver-looking metallic sphere just hanging out up there, chilling, as one does. You know, up there. Mm Mm-hmm. Captain Faisal Qureshi and his first officer, Captain Talha, while piloting the Karachi-Lahore flight at the altitude of 35,000 feet, noticed this object. The pilot posted the video on social media, which went viral. And according to Captain Qureshi, the object was surrounded with a metal ring and it released brilliant lights from its center from time to time. The object as seen in the video has very little or no movement at all. Hence, it cannot be stated for sure whether it was moving or simply hovering. Mm-hmm. Now, let me send you this video, Alex, because... Yeah, I have to see this. pretty freaky. And again, this is reported by pilots. Pilots know what they're l- looking at, especially things yeah. like drones and stuff, because that would be my first thought. This is probably a drone. Mm-hmm. At 35,000 feet? Nah. I don't think so. Let's see what we've got. If you scroll down, there's a YouTube video. And I'll add all of these links on the website. And I'll try to add this video to Instagram as well. All right. You want to start the video? Listen. Let's listen. Ooh, shiny. Foo Fighter. Oh. Keep making the video. Oh, shit. Look at that. Dude, they're like stumped. It looks like a silver spherical, like a a ball bearing. It looks like a reflection of something. It looks like what you do when you uh, use a magnifying glass to burn ants with the sun. Like a ball bearing up there at 35,000 feet. It looks like something that shouldn't be so defined at that height and altitude. Here it looks like a tiny ball, but the captain himself said that it looked huge Because he knows, right? He's a pilot. Mm -hmm. He's Mm -hmm. trained to observe things at scale and figure out their actual size. He said it was Mm -hmm. huge. Damn. He speculated it could be anything like an artificial space station or an artificial planet. Now, I don't know why he said that, but obviously it was huge. Artificial planet seems excessive, though. Yeah, I don't know what he meant by that. That's a strange term. We'll have to ask Captain Kureshi. But whatever it was, it spooked him. And he's probably seen tons of shit up there. He's probably seen enough drones and weather balloons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. he's seen goose fly into his engine. Geese. Geeses. So that was a pretty cool case from Pakistan. Mm -hmm. I looked for stuff in Bangladesh and I could find nothing. Nothing. No reports of UFOs in Bangladesh. Now that is not possible. Yeah. It's not possible that there are no sightings. It's It may just be a media ban or just some kind of... Vacuum. Yeah. They don't seem to care or they don't want to entertain the idea of ETs and UFOs. What do they know that we don't know? <laughs> Bangladeshis, come on. Send me your UFO stories. Speak now. Yeah. 
I think these are all the cases that I wanted to discuss today. And of course, like I said, in another episode, we'll go over other weird ET and UFO related phenomenon. Okay. I like to imagine a little ET who was bored of his observation assignment, like making his way over to some kind of music and dance festival in the heart of any desi town back like 3,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. Maybe he sits in his craft and he's delighted by the regalia of the dancers and the hundreds of glowing lamps that (sighs) lit the stage up, the lamps that match the night sky, the shimmering stars in the sky. Mm -hmm. Does he smile and think to himself, wow, these people are pretty lit. And then, (laughs) 3,000 years later, little buddy returns. And he hovers silently, watching everyone doing stupid TikTok dances and squabbling over intangible matters, while uncontrolled pollution and exploitation ruins the beautiful landscape of the Indian subcontinent. He probably shakes his head. Tisk, tisk, tisk. What happened? What happened, you guys? What happened? Guys, what happened? Oh, that got so sad. Too real. It's too, too real. real. Well, that's probably what they're thinking right now because they've seen it all. They've seen us right from the start. If they yeah. didn't help us along, I mean, that's a theory that they helped us along with advances in science. We're definitely a roadside attraction that didn't like age well, if anything. Yeah. No one's looking up in the skies anymore. Everyone's looking into their phones. So how are you going to see these things? You know what, Pia? I'm going to go outside right now and look for some UFOs. You're in the perfect spot, Alex. Go outside. I think I am. Just look up in the night sky. I I guarantee you, you're going to see a UFO tonight. You're going to see one. I'm going to keep an eye on these tadpoles, too, because they're pretty alien looking to me. (laughs) They might be calling out to their their mothership. Come get us. No, that's not in you. (laughs) E.T. phone home. Get me out of this stupid pond. (laughs) I'm an interdimensional being. How dare you throw me into dirty pond water? I'm not here for your mosquito killing pleasure. (laughs) Yep. So that was the episode on some of the cases in Daisy lands. What did you think, Alex? Well, I just wish that the white world would acknowledge some of these brown sightings because it would just add so much data yeah be unbiased yeah be unbiased like just collect the information and let the evidence speak for itself yeah we gotta do a darshan on this evidence and i hope i i hope some of the people who heard this will go and google about it and look into it and don't just look into it but look up Look up at the sky and, you know, look out your window. Go on your balconies and your terrace or whatever. Look at the stars. See if you can spot a UFO. And then just start yelling about it to everyone you know. We need more of that in this world. Record it. Put it on all kinds of social media. Live stream your opinions. I want to hear them. Yeah, make uh, make ufology normal again. Let it not be a sideshow. Let it not be a freaky nut job type of territory make it mainstream it's normal to ask questions about the world you live in and everything around it and if all the news is fake then ufo news is the realest news that there is Mm -hmm. final thoughts before we close out alex i'm not doing a bollywood corner today because all the alien movies made in bollywood are utter trash garbage (laughs) they're movies for children i didn't even want to bother mentioning any of them so so no Bollywood corner. I was going to say my final comment is just to like all you half glass water drinkers out there, keep your half drunken glasses of water around because you never know. Signs. Might be they might love water. They want your water. If you got water, they'll be your friends. If they hate water and they're mean, then you're covered. If they like water and they're nice, then you have something to offer them. Just get them wet. If they like water, but they're mean, then you're screwed. But And by the way, that's a very daisy thing to do is to offer everyone water. Water. Like if people <sighs> just come to visit you, the first thing they see people will ask you is, do you want water? You want some water? <laughs> it's very polite. 
very polite, very desi thing. It's a good strategy. It's a desert. It's a desert thing too. I think hot weather places. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us for this little extraterrestrial tour for this little weird trip into the cosmos. And we'll see you again next week on another episode of Crimes from the East with a little masala and spice. Keep your eyes on the skies. Go look up there. Go, 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 go. Go, look at the skies. 